Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 12, Kobo's Last Gleaming, Part 1. You believe in the gods, Lieutenant? Not that it's any of your business, but yes, I believe. Lieutenant, I'm not trying to put you on the defensive. I just, I would like you to think this through with me. If you believe in the gods, then you believe in the cycle of time, that we are all playing our parts in a story that is told again and again and again throughout eternity. That's the way I was raised. But that doesn't mean that my part in the story is to go off on some crazy-ass mission against orders. May I tell you the part of the story that it would seem I am playing? I am dying. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with some Battlestar Galactica action. I am excited that we have finally broken into the finale, the two-part finale of season one. I've been waiting a long time to get to these these next two episodes. I'm Dean. That's Matthew. How are you doing this evening, Matthew? Quite good. Ready to fucking get into this and this fucking Rocky Four send-up we got right from the jump. Yeah, we got a Rocky Four. We start off with a little montage. It's a good time. Uh, the boxing technique is about as good as it was in Rocky Four, which is nice to see. <laughs> but uh, hey, man, it's been a while. Um, it won't be much of a while to you once this hits uh, the masses because you'll be getting these episodes every week. But Matthew and I had a bit of a layoff that we're too embarrassed to publicly tell you about. Oh, yeah. Between we're our last, <laughs> between Colonial Day and this episode, we had to literally listen to the uh, podcasts that we did and watch the episode again, <laughs> if that gives you an indication how long it was. Uh, so. I'm like, man, I forgot what Star Trek Enterprise is like. <laughs> Fuck. I, I thought it had a different, different intro. And better. Yeah. Uh, uh, isn't there a guy named Wash in it? No, no, there's a different shows. So this is a different one. So Wait a minute, here. doesn't it have a shitty Nickelback knockoff intro music? No? Yeah. Exactly. This is it a different show? <laughs> is this called The Verse? Nope, it's not <laughs> called The Verse. Is this The Expanse? <laughs> right. Isn't there a space station with a nice black man in command? <laughs> nope, that's a different one too. Also different. Well, we're here. So here's what we do. We, uh, we will open with some initial impressions on this episode. Uh, we will then get to our uh, little trivia segment, and then we will explicate our way through this thing. And um, if you've been following this, uh, then you know about our trivia segment. If this is your first time stopping by, what we have been doing in the past and what we have officially stopped doing as of now, at least for these finales, we're going to reevaluate this for season two and decide if we want to do it going forward or do something else. But we would do these trivia segments because obviously you heard the intro. I've seen all of these episodes i've seen the entire series matthew's watching each one each week and staying spoiler free yeah uh, which is very exciting so it gives a different dynamic to the conversation and to do you know i I do want to point out something again i'm still too embarrassed (laughs) to admit the exact amount of time that's gone between these but i watched part one of the finale and my fucking holy (laughs) devout ass did not 
touch the second part. And I wanted to. I wanted to cheat on all of you, you listeners. I wanted to jump ahead and find out. But I haven't. I still haven't watched that second part. You're such a good boy. Uh, And yeah, so it tends to add a different dynamic to the conversation, number one. Number two, um, we decided to do this little trivia thing. So what happens uh, is, again, if this is the first time, if you've been listening, then you've heard every episode before this one, or at least some of them, and that's this. I will tease upcoming episodes with some trivia questions and then have Matthew answer those questions. They're, they're meant to intrigue. They're meant to tease uh, without really being overly spoilerish. So if this is your first time following along, you can participate in that trivia a little bit too. Um, so, and if you've never seen Battlestar Galactic, you should be warned that we will not spoil future episodes because we no. would be very cruel if we did that. Uh, and Matthew would uh, lose all of this lovely intrigue um, that he's been edging himself along to. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> but so, but we will spoil the episode in question because we will work our way through each scene, talk about some of the characters and themes uh, and the plot overall. And uh, we tease a little bit, so we ask some questions. So what we'll do is we will get to our opening impressions, then we'll bang out these uh, trivia questions from last week, and then we will move along. So Matthew, let's start with yes, your sir. opening impressions for Kobol's Last Gleaming Part 1. Mm-hmm. Well, man, I fucking really enjoyed this one. Another fucking excellent episode. There haven't been too many clunkers along this way. It's already gotten me on a, a very positive feeling about the series overall. Like I'm really looking forward, feeling good about the the overall arc of the, sh- the show in general. I, I, I feel like I'm in good hands uh, at this point. Um, but yeah, this is another another episode where, as much as I enjoyed it, I'm also baffled by by some certain things. Like Gaius has me totally, you know, and I I, I feel like I started to feel a little bit of this way towards the end of the last episode. Uh, but Gaius is somebody who, man, I I am starting to lose my 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 touch on where he is and how he he's making his decisions at this point. The, you know, him his and Six's relationship has never been more impossible to decipher Mm -hmm. um than in this episode i'm just like good god how does six even feel about him how does she want him to feel what's the goal i mean it's just it's bizarre um it's for one i'm i'm fucking i feel really bad for literally every sharon boomer now i'm just like all of them (laughs) what just an awful existence for them fuck i feel so bad for them even other cylons um, but overall, man, this is, this is an excellent episode. I love the choice Starbuck makes at the end. I, I love where this is, you know, pointing the, the the rest, the conclusion of the season and the arc of season two. Can't wait to get to that. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I'm feeling very good about this episode. Awesome. You know, you said something in that. You said, I feel bad even though they're Cylons. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that you said that. <laughs> I love that you said that. Because one of the things we've talked about a lot in this is that we've tried to determine what is their motivation. What are they doing? What's going on? What's going to happen? Why are they doing what they're doing? Is everything a plan? Uh, You know, last week when we covered Colonial Day, one of the things you were saying about Colonial Day was you thought it took a bit of a step down from the episode prior, which was fine. I, I told you the reason I like Colonial Day so much on that episode was because of Gaius Baltar. And how just wholly unpredictable he can be and how much depth there is to him. 
and um, why I think he's such an intriguing force in this show where you have outside of the Cylons, not a ton of mystery out there. That doesn't mean that there's nothing compelling about the fleet. There is plenty about the fleet that's compelling. These interpersonal relationships, the things about this show that we have talked about incessantly on why the show is so good and why it appeals to us so much is because it is gritty. It is real. These people feel like people you might know. These relationships are believable. These petty moments out of these characters, and they are petty, are real, especially when you consider the situation they find themselves in on the fleet, which is dire at best. And I like that you said, I feel bad even though that they are Cylons. Well, you're not alone, are you? You start to see that a little bit from Hilo. Why not just blow her away? Absolutely. Why not? Why not? What is it that's stopping him from doing this? And I feel bad even though they're Cylons. Did you feel that way when you were watching Laoban be tortured? Mm, not really. Not as much, he seemed, right? He seemed beyond it. He seemed like he didn't care that his body was being tortured. That's right. He had a much different feeling. But Star Starbuck, but but um, Boomer is much different because here you have someone who is almost afflicted against their will. Now you could argue that we're all here against our will in a sense, right? It's we're we're all we're we're sort of all accidents, right? There's no virtue in accident. We just uh, it reminds me of my my favorite Bob Dylan line: "We're born here and we'll die here against our will." Mm. <laughs> ah, poetic. No wonder he won the Nobel. There you go. There you go. So, um, what I mean by this is. He seemed to revel in what he was, whereas Sharon at times seems to rebel in what she is, correct? Definitely. That's what I believe. And it's cool to watch this. It's cool to see these things start to unfold. It's cool to see a lot of these storylines come together uh, and to see these these choices by characters. Uh, this choice by Kara to sleep with Baltar. This, 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 this lingering jealousy in uh, overt jealousy from Gaius about Starbucks' relationship with Lee. Lee's very unprofessional and petty moments with Starbuck about how he feels about the fact that she boned Gaius. And then, <laughs> so, oh boy, I, can't, I love it. And then you have all this stuff going on with um, Six and how she seems to feel about Gaius. I mean, uh, more than once, when she when when he's talking to to, to Sharon, and uh, she she says uh, you do want to sleep with her, don't you? Right? You can just see there's this jealousy. What what was your take on the way Six felt? I mean, we've seen her get upset with him like this in the past in the in the miniseries when oh, she's yeah. sitting in his room. Remember? Oh yeah, and, and she, you know she catches him with another woman, and she's just sitting there in the room like a goddamn cobra. Oh yeah. And Jesus. he's like, it's not you, it's me. That that whole thing. So, what? tell me about some of this stuff. What Did anything this week come as a surprise to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, Plenty, so much. Right? Um, for one, I mean, I think the biggest, yeah, probably the biggest surprise for me was, and I will address this in the trivia some as well, um, was that uh, Kara, Starbuck, was fucking Gaius. Right. I was like, no way. And I, maybe you saw that coming on your first time around, 
But that that one took me for a loop. As much as they playfully teased at the idea, I took that as no more than like, will they, won't they, wink, wink kind of shit, like not to really be taken seriously. And then the way they do it, with literally seeing Lee on top of her, and then when she says Lee's name, it's revealed that, no, this is Gaius, and that must have all... It was either a fantasy or a memory. We're not really sure. We're not really given that much. Indeed. But uh, she's certainly thinking about Lee in that moment. Um, and then we realize it's Gaius. And I can see no clear – there was no interactions even in the previous episode that was like, oh, this flirtatious relationship has grown. No, it was kind, it's kind of out of the blue. It just seems like a um, – it almost makes you wonder if it was just a drunk decision on her part. Uh, it's, it's, it's strange. So that, that, the context of that is so absurd that it makes me wonder if it was some prodding by six, like, you know, trying to get it to happen, even though the way six feels about it also is very murky and she doesn't seem enthused, but she's also not angry. She's not angry about him having sex with someone else. She's more angry about his behavior. Um, in his, in the way he, he responds to her when, during her questioning, uh, that's what seems to set her off. But, uh, but yeah, that was really the biggest shock for me. The, the kinds of the, these shifts in our, our character relationships. You know, we've talked about guys a lot in this, uh, podcast. And one of the things we've said is that he's a survivor. Uh, he's very much, uh, somebody who is looking out for their own self-interests, uh, which is, and, and he does it fairly overtly. Whereas I think deep down, a lot of us find our self-interest at the heart of the matter. We just are not as brazen about the way we go about it. And we try to engage ourselves more communally than say Gaius, right? <laughs> True. Now, when you think about Gaius, if you go back to the miniseries, if you go back to his infidelity on Six at the Time, one of the things that we knew at that time, that infidelity was the following. And we've seen his behavior in the past, right? Yeah. And it's this. Number one, Gaius, right up until those atomic weapons, nuclear weapons, excuse me, went off on the surface of Caprica. Gaius was somebody who was in command of everything. He was riding on top of the world. He was comfortable. He was safe. He was not being threatened. As a result, he could indulge himself in the things that he likes, mainly women. Now, we saw him cheat on Six early, and then shit hit the fan, and things became crazy. And for many episodes, he found himself trying not to be implicated as a traitor, and in my opinion, <clears throat> why I didn't feel as much of this coming out of the blue was this. When you are concerned about your own well-being, and you are used to comfort and having anything you want because you're a brilliant scientist with a ton of money and prestige and you find yourself on morning talk shows, is that when that is all taken away from you, sort of in the blink of an eye, and then suddenly you might even be implicated in the eradication of your entire species, which you, you can say, but you can never really wrap your head around you such yeah, a thing. That is so beyond our experience. It's beyond anything. So... Once comfort starts to happen, we see him start to chase, right? He had sex with a reporter. <laughs> That's right. Right? He banged the reporter in the bathroom. He, he definitely took a run at Starbuck. And Starbuck was not pushing him away. I think she found his, we, and we talked about this, I think she found his, the way he was coming at her sort of 
intriguing because yeah. what we know about Baltar and what they see from Baltar might be two separate things. That quirky weirdness to him might be something that Starbuck finds intriguing versus yeah. fucking a bunch of pilots, which is something she's used to, right? <laughs> Not to mention he's a fucking celebrity. Yes. That's, you know, it's hard, it's one to, of, it's hard, that's, to, it's hard yeah. to remember that stuff. That's a context that is hard to keep in mind about him. And I, I agree with what you said there with his his quirkiness, his off-centeredness. You know, those times we see him get flustered when he's dealing with Six and trying to have a conversation with Rosalind. That is still, I think, to everybody, I think most people's perceptions of him are like quirky, mad scientist genius. Like, sure. That's what they're seeing when they see that. They're like, wow, he's weird, but oh, he must just be so conflicted and brilliant. Whereas we know, like, no, you're actually kind of slimy. And you're, you were involved with the Cylons, and now it's torturing you. Right, exactly. And, um, you know, we, one of the things I like about him is just the fact that there's just, there's interesting things going on with Gaius. Um, he has this relationship with her. He has these weird feelings. He has this crazy thing where he's trying to defend himself. He has this odd relationship with politics. He's thrust into a position of power that he exercises in Cobalt's last gleaming, by demanding to go on the survey team. Mm-hmm. By way of saying, I'm the vice president, and I think I'm going to go. I mean, <laughs> this is some of the first things we've seen from him in terms of just flexing his actual authority that he now wields outside of his intellectual authority, which, of course, we know is bar none. Like, there, there's no competition, intellectually speaking, for him. He's supposed to be a genius. Yeah, exactly. And when he spins his techno babble. It buys him time. Now, now instead of just spinning his techno battle, he can literally say, I think I'm going to go unless you object, Madam President, totally bypassing Adama. So the only other person that outranks him, really, governmentally speaking, is her. Which is crazy to think about. This, this is how he is now. So we almost see this comfort coming back into his life again and what he's going to do and what it means. We do know that he's bored. He doesn't really like politics. He finds it boring. He's fucking nodding off on the the quorum in Colonial (laughs) Day, which is funny. But we definitely see some development for Baltar. And that's one of the things I find most intriguing about this episode, outside of all of the stuff that happens with Rosalind and the prophecy. And is it true? Is it silent manipulation? Is it bullshit? Is it coincidence? Um, in Colonial Day, the last episode podcast, you said that you thought that this was really just an engineered trick of the Cylons who are using Rosalind to direct this fleet somewhere. I think it's, I still think it's one of the higher possibilities, but I'm less sure about it from this episode. Interesting. Well, I think we've dilly-dallied long enough. Let's make our way through (laughs) this episode and uh, see what we have going on here. A lot of the stuff we, we kind of covered here, this, this early stuff, so we can probably breeze through, but I, I really like this music intro, this this oh, uh, motif we've seen before, the this sort of repetitive violin piece, and um, we have Lee and Bill boxing, which is funny. What did, what did you feel, did, you, did this strike you as some sort of metaphor? Mm, well, I mean, yeah, you could definitely take it as, you know, the father and son always fighting, always trying to kind of poke and prod and see, you know, each other's ability is dad's ability kind of waning, his son's ability starting to to grow. Uh, but the fight ends with a, a decisive victory on Adama's part. And I do really love the dialogue here of, 
you know, you know, you don't lose control. And he's like, oh, thanks. He's like, no, that's not a compliment. You you need to let your instincts take over, not mm-hmm. just trying to be so calculated. Sure. Yeah. What What do you think about this uh, this development with Lee sort of blossoming now? This stop thinking and start doing. This is something we actually talked about on the science fiction film podcast on Last Mohicans with Nathaniel, right? Somebody who is not always using that analytical brain, but more just using the brain of stop. Reaction. Yes, let's react. Let's be, let's indulge in our primal nature when things are required. Trust your instincts type of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's almost like he's saying, Lee, you think too much. You're too much of a thinker. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I still, I see Adama's point, but I do, I, there have been times where we have seen Lee, you know, especially, I, I can't remember the name of the episode now, but the episode where Lee pulled the trigger on the ship that they, they weren't sure was maybe full of civilians. And, and that was a big deal. And Starbuck was even one going, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. We can't risk it. Don't, don't do that. And he was the one that said, fuck it and did it. Um, so I, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's not some part of Lee that's, you know, is not really there. It's not like, a, it's not the struggle of a father trying to, to give his son an ability that he has that he wants his son to have, but his son's never going to have. Lee definitely has it. Um, sure. He's always had it. Uh, and it's like, it, this is a moment of Adama being like, you, you have it. It's already in you. You just got to let yourself start working from it. Um, start working from instinct. Start being more reliant on just your, your gut. This is what you feel like you should do. Do it. Don't start, you know, trying to check it against the rule book, you know, or against regulations. Sure. I wonder what precipitated this feeling. I wonder why. I wonder why this is coming up now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know because I mean, it's it's we've never seen them spar physically before. I, I, I liked that that upfront uh, portrayal of this in this episode. You know, we haven't ever seen them. You know, we've seen them have lots of arguments. We've seen them come together, but we've never seen them actually be fucking throwing punches at each other. Sure. And I, mean, I think the most important detail is that Adama still wins. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I was thinking about this uh, this time when I watched it, and the the one thing is that we that we move to that's cut against this is Kara having sex with, of course, Gaius. Yeah. Now we know Gaius is a thinker, but we also know that he is a creature of instinct, right? He's a creature. He's a creature of. You could probably say he has poor impulse control, right? Which means yeah. he doesn't think, <laughs> and. Oddly enough, he's the one fucking Kara while this guy gets his head punched in because <laughs> by dad <laughs> he didn't think too much about this Kara thing. He's like, ah, uh, she's hot. I'm a badass. I'm gonna fuck that chick. And I think <laughs> that there was no. It, I'm sure Lee's feelings and this and the complications because of Zach and he's thinking and blah, yeah. blah blah. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with why maybe he's never taken a run at Starbucks himself. Um, maybe he thinks it'd be dishonorable to his brother's memory. Maybe he. But all that is thinking brain stuff, right? That's not, exactly. that's all thought. That's all thinking, not instinct. Um, I also think we could see something going on here between old and new. Maybe it's trying to set us up for something coming, an old way versus a new way, right? Older yeah. being Adama, younger being Lee, younger not still being capable of, of defeating the, the, the old way just yet. It's not quite exactly ready, right? Not there. But yeah, we do see all this. You don't lose control. It's not a common, not a compliment. Let your instincts take over. Um, Caprica Boomer takes the gun out of her mouth because we see her fixing around. Oh, no, with, Galactica Boomer. Oh, I'm sorry. Galactica Boomer takes the gun out of her mouth, um, and um, Boomer gets paged to go to the ready room. 
and then we see this is all cut with Hilo and Boomer down on uh, silent occupied Caprica, where he mm-hmm. shot. He literally shot at her, shot her in the yeah. arm, winged her. He does. She approaches, holsters her own gun, and he still wings her. Right. He does still wing her, and um, but he doesn't kill her, and he does not finish her, and that's no. The the, the Kobo's last gleaming has said. We have some conflict that's going to be going on with Lee. Um, some conflict that's going to be going on with Adama. We have some conflict that's going to be going on with Gaius. We have some conflict that's going to be going on with Starbuck. And, uh, of course, Boomer and Hilo. Absolutely. So they've, they've kind of given you all it all right here. And, um, you know, it's stylized, the music, the cutting, the, the dramatic nature of it. They're definitely adding a touch of melodrama here, uh, which I don't mind. Yeah. I think it's kind of neat. I liked it, and I found it unusual. Like, it is not something we've really seen, you know, too much. I remember in the, in one episode I talked about how I didn't like the introduction because it felt a little too jarringly silly, like trying to be so uplifting uh, that, you know, to, to contrast the rest of the episode, which was a lot more melancholy, and that one bugged me. But this I really liked. I actually really did enjoy this this montage and I, and I think you use the right word like it is kind of a classical melodrama almost operatic kind of feel to it um and i think that is intentional and, and i think it works you know because it does so much of the show is talking about how you know there there is this backing prophecy to all of this and all of this has happened and will happen again it gives it a a mythological feel which is always high drama i agree and uh, and i think operatic uh, or mythological, as you said, both work here. I, I think about this a lot. I think we've been, we've been I mean, watching. Your names are fucking Apollo and shit. I mean. Ah, interesting. So we've been watching this show and we've been seeing these relationships develop and uh, these challenges come up, these challenges get overcome, some arcing, some different things happening. And now I feel like, if, if I want to do this weird metaphor, that we've started to, the, the opera house, as it were, Everyone has sat down. All of the all of the whispering has died down as the house lights come down. And those the first, prelude, the prelude, yes, good sir, is over. Yes, the prelude has ended. We've we've everything's the overture, sir. Overture, and I feel like this is operatic in a sense to where we're starting this very dramatic thing. We're kicking it off with this musical montage with these cuts of all these things happening. And we see Lee getting punched in the face as, you know, Kara's fucking. I mean, there's there's a parallel here. And Wilmer <laughs> putting the gun in the mouth and, and all this stuff going on at once. It's very dramatic. Hilo's shooting the other Boomer. And it seems like now we're waiting for this final moment. And that's what's so fascinating about this series. That's what's so fascinating about these last two episodes here is all of that stuff is over. And now we're entering into this sort of final thrust of what drama awaits. Exactly. That's cool. Love it. So we see, you know, the Lee stuff. She calls him Lee while they're fucking. And then she, she walks out and leaves and we see Gaius just sort of laying there, looking up at the ceiling with an, a sort of a blank expression on his face. Yeah, and he proceeds to go over and pour some uh, space Jaeger into his cup, and 
pretty casually drinks it, uh, sitting across from a six who also fairly neutral faced. Like they don't really seem to be giving each other any expression. Right. She is just sort of looking at him. Um, and then of course we move over to Hilo closing in on Sharon. She says, do it. Of course he doesn't. And, um, I think that's the intro. We go to our opening credits we get a little bit of a teaser, and then we go right to Rosalind getting a body scan while Billy watches on. Uh, meanwhile, we have Alosha and her talking, and um, they're talking about how she has six months to live, how she says the cancer has moved into her lymphatic system, and um, <laughs> and Alosha tells her, you've made a true believer out of me. Right. And uh, I want to he- I want you to hear me on this. So they get talking, and Alosha says that listen, this sounds crazy, but I really think that this is prophecy. I believe in this. Yeah. I know you're the one. She literally says, I know you're the one. Yeah. And what I like about this whole scene is that it's not her as the like wild-eyed, pious, obviously, you know, religious caricature person being like, oh, it is true, the prophecy. Like she was the one going, she even admits basically like I, you know, wasn't really sure if I believed literally in the prophecy, and now I do because of all this, because of you. Right. We move back over to the card game. <laughs> With a very drunk fucking rat pack looking guy over here. Right. But Love it. I mean, I see the sexual appeal here. I really do. I can see this sort of uh, almost self-destructive rapscallion type who's oh, yeah. rough around the edges but also really brilliant a and bad boy. Uh, yeah he does definitely has that quality meanwhile he's surrounded by these like pilot types who right and he's just fucking going off the deep end here and it's and it he is does. uncharacteristic to see him allow himself to be so vulnerable in front of all these people but he immediately starts in on lee you can't compete with me i always win and you're like holy <laughs> shit I mean, this right? is a drunk man coming at him and never seen you like this, guys. <laughs> Got no laugh over here. And um, Six says, <laughs> Six comes in and says, this is very disappointing. Oh, I love what she says. She's very disappointing. It seems so common. Right. I loved that. And that also was one of the most, in my mind, alarming or dangerous lines of dialogue from six uh, in regards to Gaius. Uh, it made me go, is that the only reason she values him? That she does see him as so genius, so above normal humans, that he's so individual and special. And for him to kind of, in her eyes, demean himself and become so common, that makes her rethink even possibly, like, maybe I don't care about you. <laughs> maybe I'm not going to protect you in this way. But we still, you know, we see her reverse that a little later. But I, I think this is a telling line from her. I agree too, especially when you consider that she comes from this other race, right? This mm-hmm. race that is apart from human, and he is such an exceptional human. I, I really do like that line. I like how she calls him common. I like so how common. we've never seen her express any empathy whatsoever outside of accidentally breaking a baby's neck. <laughs> for any, Good point. For yeah. any other human other than Gaius. Exactly. Right? And I find that interesting. So they're doing their things. It's getting a little messy. Uh, 
Starbuck walks in, freshly fucked. Oh, wait, sorry. Um, <laughs> and Gaius sits up, looks at her. She looks at him. Um, she's trying to just be cool. Yeah, she is. She's, she's the one being adult about yep, this. Yeah, she's like, what's up, Doc? Or something like that. Um, and that's when he's like, oh, no, some level of decor must be maintained, or is this a pirate ship? Um, yeah. And she sort of... You know, you want, like, did you like to sit next to Captain Aldama? Right, right. Would you like to play... Would you like next to sick? He's being super petty. She gives oh, him yeah. the she gives him the the stink eye, and then she's like, "You know what? I'm gonna bounce because the vibe in here is fucking brutal." <laughs> oh yeah, this would be intolerable to fucking be living in. And my favorite part about this is watching his reaction, him being Gaius after it happens. He sort of puts his head down, puts his hand over his mouth. He knows he's being a jackass. I'm sure he feels just bad about himself i'm sure he feels like a shithead for for reacting oh, yeah. this way not just because maybe he cares about her feelings but because he's so pissed off at himself about this weakness coming from him exactly right? that it's in front of everybody that yes i do look sweaty and common and tired sure we move over we quickly stay on gaius and we put him in another situation and this time we put him with president rosin and what are they talking about Ooh. Now, is this where they're talking about uh, basically just all the mundane bureaucracies of government that he needs to get <laughs> familiarized yeah. with? Yeah, they're talking about currency standards, all of this nonsensical stuff. And then Six walks in and says, do you love her? Ugh. But she is just also, even before she speaks, is just staring at him. Yeah. Like she is inches away just staring at him. It's another one of those times where it reminds me, at least, of just the weight of having somebody who is literally your shadow like that. Like, she can she can choose to be around him and make herself, you know, manifest in front of him in this way constantly if she wants to. Just be constantly in his view and constantly close to him. And, it, God, it really would be such a, a fucking crushing weight. And the thing I like about it is that it reminds us how, how formidable Trisha Helfer is, Right, mm-hmm. I think she's so good in this role, and she feels so formidable. She's oh, tall, dude. she's strong, she has great posture, she's super confident, she's beautiful, and she can just lean on you with this statuesque and almost godlike way, and just oh, yeah. look at him, and he shrivels. I love it. <laughs> he, she's so powerful. She's such a presence. She's such a force to be reckoned with. She is. And she's not even being mean in this. She's mm. not being angry. Like it's 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 like a kind of a a mother's stare of like I'm going to not even react. I'm just going to watch you and that's all I have to do to make you crumple. Right. Like I have to making you wonder what I'm feeling is enough to crush you mm-hmm. <laughs> and your feelings. Yep. Uh, he goes on to talk about the intricacies of the bureaucracy. I can't get my head around it. I don't want to do this right now. With all due respect, Madam President, you have spent your entire political career learning to understand all this shit. I'm new at this. Great point. Yeah. Great point. Um, <laughs> and I like how I... I like how he builds. This is something the show always does well and something I think James Callis is a master of. But his ability to do this stuff, delivering these lines that sort of are double entendres, right? He's saying oh, yeah. one thing, but he's really saying something to both Rosalind and Six even yes. though they're different, even though it's the same thing, they mean different things to, to, to each of the women he's speaking to. Of course, one 
physically being there and one not. Yeah, absolutely. And it I astounds it. me how you think I'd be turned around so quickly. Uh, right? I'm tired of being prodded and pushed and used. Yep. You know, it's being excellent. a he, he feels like a tool on both fronts, pretty much. Well, quite frankly, I don't give it a flying frack, whatever you believe me or not, um, because I've had it. And, of course, he's really dressing six here, um, which I love. And he just goes off on his stuff. Uh, again, some of the some of my the, my favorite acting moments come from him in these pickles. I think he's so good. <laughs> yeah, just watching him in the pressure cooker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not your plaything. Yes, and they I don't both have to sit in here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you either you, you either in here or or there, right? Because he's trying to remember. Fuck, nobody knows. And to, to see him course correct <laughs> while he's doing this is just brilliant. I love him. <laughs> Exactly, and she's like, you know what? Oh, why don't you bastard. why don't you fucking take a seat on the bench for a minute and relax? <laughs> I know. I love again. This is why I love Rosalind. She has such a good soft touch of like, <laughs> like you have this sweaty fucking madman screaming at a hallucination in front of you. <laughs> she could have been like, hey asshole, remember when you stepped up and made your big speech at the at the fucking colonies meeting? Mm. Yeah, you you took this shit on. Too bad. Deal with it. But she's like. You know what? <laughs> You're looking real one flew over the cuckoo's nest. How about you take yourself a fucking break, bud? <laughs> I have a feeling a man's going to smother your death with a pillow if you do not fucking shape up here. Cast a vending machine out of a window. <laughs> so he steps into the head, as it's known, and uh, Six smashes his head into a mirror. Ooh, Ooh. Such a good moment. Just a reminder, I I, I am not even cor- I, not even corporal, and I can fucking smash your face into a mirror. Yeah, that's intense. Don't fuck with me, dude. Uh, it should also be noted that when they were talking here, she, he did say, I think we need a break. He's kind of trying to break up with his fucking, you know, apparition girlfriend. <laughs> his mind demon girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, boom. How can you love her, guys? <clears throat> I think are the words that come through. That is it. I don't. And that's a, a, yeah, and you can't lie to me. I know everything. That's Oof. intense. I mean, do you think he's got some some harboring some feelings for Starbuck, or do you, I? I can't imagine he does. I think this is a guyus move. I think he's the kind of guy that falls into and out of love easily, but I think it's largely infatuation. And I, yeah, and I think he knows that. I think I think he, he does too. Yeah, and I do think it's genuine on the part of of six where she she's not upset that he would have sex with somebody else it's that he the would feeling. love somebody else yeah, yeah yeah that's what she's worried about i think you're right about that i think because the girl he bones in the beginning never really that never really comes up again no but i think yeah. the fact that starbuck has him so tilted that six is pissed about this yeah 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 well there you go so Gaius um, is pissed off about his head wound, and that's when she just gets right to it and says, listen, it's not safe for you to stay here. And he presses her. Is it an agent? Is it a bomb? Is a silent agent about to be activated? What's going on? He turns around. He shouts, tell me, and she's gone. Ooh. She's yeah. like, okay, you want to be left alone. So we've seen Six want to teach him lessons before, haven't we? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And she, you know, she, care- she always cares enough to drop the hint, give you the clue, but she's going to be vague. <laughs> she's also mad enough to be vague and not really tell you what it is. Right. Absolutely. I like that a lot. And um, that's kind of 
that's kind of the end of that little scene. Uh, we're going to move over to the uh, command combat information center in a minute. But you know what we should probably do? <laughs> talk about I the know, trivia we, we totally forgot to talk about. <laughs> we should. Little Rusty. <laughs> do that. We're Rusty, we're all over rusty here. real quick. So we're going to take a minute. We're going to take a quick pause. <laughs> it's been four months, okay, guys? Oh, fuck. <laughs> Don't tell them. It's been four Jesus. fucking months. Okay. Oh, LSG got so real sad. busy. It's been four months. We dropped the ball, but don't worry. It's not going to affect you guys. Nope. <laughs> it's obviously hasn't been four months since you've heard this. So give me, give us a break. Okay. <laughs> We're working hard over here. Talking <laughs> into microphones. We're working hard here. Fucking flapping our gums at you. All right. So let's oh, do this shit. real quick. People are probably like, these oh, assholes yeah. forgot the trivia. <laughs> I know. I, I wonder how many them. emails I'm going to get before they finish listening. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes. People will email us and they're like, oh, I haven't finished listening yet, but I just want to say like this part you were wrong about. I'm like, oh God. And then they go, oh, never mind. I heard the whole thing. You fixed it. <laughs> it's my favorite. I, I fucking overshot. Yeah, I, know. I overshot a little bit. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Chill out there. All right. So before we go any further, <laughs> let's get to these trivia questions and then we'll go back to the combat information yeah. center. I with- want to get to these because I fucking crushed it, baby. You did. This is your best one I yet, which is fitting crushed. since it's the last one of the season. Right? Or ever. Mm. I'm not sure yet. So <laughs> here were the questions. The questions were, to tease this episode, Rosalind's visions fortify her growing faith in the prophecies, but Adama doesn't support her ideas around what he considers superstition. The question was true. The, answer, the correct answer was true, and Matthew's answer was true. So, yay! Bam. Nailed it. Oh, yeah. Boom. Nothing but net. Starbucks' sexual proclivities put an enormous strain on her relationship with Lee. The answer <laughs> is true. Matthew answered I false. So that one. Off the rim, no big deal, because <laughs> he gets his own rebound. Oh, baby. And we go into Guys Baltar Speaks with a named character who ends up with a gun in their mouth. True. And he said it would be Boomer, so we gave him bonus points. Boom! Oh, yeah. So good. And then the final question was, Starbuck learns about Admiral Adama's deception surrounding the location of Earth. Uh, the answer was, of course, true. Matthew picked true, giving you, out of the five questions, oh. even though you got one wrong, the bonus puts you at an even 100 percentile. Oh, baby, Kobe Buckets fucking nailed it. Buckets upon buckets. And I'll tell you fucking what. Fucking nailed it. Air Jordans is, for all my kids. That's the best you've ever done. And considering that this I'm is done. the last one that we're doing, at least for this season and possibly ever, that's pretty good. I learned. I studied. I watched ahead. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, I totally cheated. Isn't that cool? Fucking cheated my ass off and still got one wrong. That's how much I suck. Uh, no. Yeah. But yeah, I feel fucking proud of that awesome. shit, man. Well, congrats, buddy. Good questions, too. They weren't easy. No, yeah, we've we've tried to put some wrinkles in there, but it's you're always gonna be sweet. It's weird because you don't want to like spoil, so you gotta tease a little, little tease a little tickle, a little upside down piano, right? <laughs> a little Mozart, well, a little, <laughs> little Mozart tease. fingers flipping through folds. <laughs> wow! All right. Wow. <laughs> so um, <laughs> let's get over to the Combat Information Center. Looking in on Boomer and Crashdown, I believe this is who this is. Oh yeah, I love this shit. This is Still, awesome. Still, every every time I see him, fucking Star Killer from Force Unleashed. Every time, <laughs> I'm always like Star Killers in this. I always forget that. <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> too funny. Oh, so man. they jump in, 
and we see that the combat information center is looking at them. They're reporting to the combat, combat information center. And uh, they're just mm. doing some survey work out here, which is they're fond of doing. Um, oh, indeed. That's what the Raptors are for. That's right. And um, Galactica uh, Raptor 1 jumps to Sector 728. They jump out there. Um, they're going to check some shit out. And they jump very close to a planet. I love that, by the way. I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that effect of the planet just sort of filling the screen outside of their oh, viewport. Definitely. And I love, you know, that's a great indication of the fact that they had no idea this planet was there. Like, that's this right. This is uncharted space. That's right. Um, because, you know, they, uh, another, you know, they, th- when you make a jump somewhere, maybe you know, okay, in this section, there's this planet here, 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 a moon here, and you can calculate it to a spot that is empty space. But yeah, this is a fucking undiscovered planet. They didn't know it was Cobalt. And that's why they practically in the atmosphere of the thing when they come out of the jump. Also, one thing I wanted to say, one thing this episode made me miss is the jump effect that was introduced in 33 that we never see again. That effect of everybody getting elongated for a yes. second, that that sound effect. I thought that was in fucking incredible. And I've been hankering for it ever since. Yeah, yeah. Wish they would toss that in every game. Zoom now in, dolly out, or whatever they yeah, did. Yeah, that, yeah. Whoa, that pulsating effect. I love it. It's wild. Um, I do like this, though. I like how, like you said, it's a, it's very dangerous because, holy shit, they appear on a planet, crash down immediately, comes up to the cockpit. You can definitely see Boomer struggling with a lot of whatever is on her mind right now. You can see it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's cool. And then um, he says, do you see that? Oceans. So, wow. They can't and he says, it. wow, you think this might be Earth. Sure. And then she replies, no, it's even more important than Earth. Right. Mm. Mm. Uh, one of the most mysterious lines of the fucking show. Chalk it up there with there are 12 models. Like, sure. it's for me, I'm like, is that some accidental Cylon foreknowledge slipping through? Like, this is even more important than actual Earth? Right. Interesting. Uh, the way they shoot this is clever. Um, the way she's sitting up front with a very concerned expression on her face. Well, he's very celebratory of, wow, this could really change everything. And, of yeah. course, that, no, it is more important. We hard cut away and we shoot over to Cylon-occupied Caprica which I love because we're day yeah. 50, which is a good indication of what's going on. And we have Hilo sitting under some sort of awning while she's sitting in the rain like a bad dog. <laughs> I know. Like, this there. is just an awful dynamic. It's just, we're going to sit here in the rain under this overpass. You're going to be four feet away from me. I'm going to point a gun at you and that's it. We're just going to sit here. I'm not going to talk. I know. This is our lives now. And uh, <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and and he's in the he's making her actually sit in the rain. Like he's in the he's not in the rain. She is in the no. rain. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> uh, he's giving like, himself some anti rad injections. Uh, doesn't work as no. well as before, she says. And uh, yeah, you know she's trying to. No, she don't need it anymore. She's like, you know, I do get cold. Um, I like this. I like that she's aware of what's going on here. Um, yeah, there's some things yeah. you should know. Hilo, don't call me that. You're not allowed to call me that. You're not Sharon. He's pissed off. He feels very betrayed. Donut human. We know you're not. And that's when she says, but I am. And that's the part you need to understand. And then he rips yeah, a shot that I, at her. Not that I'm human, but that I am Sharon. Right. And the fact, again, this has just cemented it even further for me that in this moment here, she is trying to clarify that Sharon, the your idea of Sharon, this picture in your mind of Sharon Boomer, is a Cylon. 
and that's what I am. And she's trying to reveal that to him. She's trying to say, that's what you need to understand. They're all Cylons. All Sharons, all Boomers are me, and we are one and the same. We're Cylons. Uh, the fact that she's trying to reveal that to him drives home the fact that I think even if the the wider Cylon intelligence if this all plays into their plan and they want her, they want her to convince him or or use him, I still think that this individual Sharon uh, believes that she's going against the silence that, that that she's trying to to help him in her own mind. Okay, that that was that's what I wanted to ask you. So, sort of clarify, but but I am Sharon, and that's the part you need to understand. Do you think she's saying we're all Sharon, or do you think she's saying regardless of what? Ever, however I was designed, I truly believe that I am, in fact, Sharon. And I want you to understand that. It's important to me. Can you- uh, both. Okay. I think both. Okay. I, I think she's trying to say that Sharon and everything you've ever, you know, the, the length of your relationship with Sharon and every, all the things you learned about her are all real and true. Like, that's a real worthwhile relationship that you've built with that person. But that person is me. And we are all Cylons. And we're all one and the same. That 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 me sitting here before you is the same as the one you saw leave. Right, and you and that, I have that, discussed this before, um, and and I know this is something you've talked at length about. You you believe that they all share the same conscience in the sense that I believe individual yes. model lines all share the same conscience. I believe they can. Yeah, and at the point, and this is a tough concept to ex- elucidate, but I mean, yes, like I believe that the six model is fully like every single model of six is one continuous mind and consciousness of six. There's, you know, there are no secret agent sixes that believe they are a human. Um, Whereas with Boomer, you know, there are models of her that are fully aware they're Cylons. They're tapped into the Cylon, you know, intelligence and, and all the other Boomers who are aware they're Cylons. And with this one, who, you know, now understand she's a Cylon, but, you know, didn't before, or, you know, I, I guess I, I, that would be the Galactica Boomer. She has a, a separation from them that is purposeful, like that was invented by the Cylons to make certain individual models unaware that they are Cylons, but that that separation can be turned on and off. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's my theory. That's my working theory. <laughs> Could be totally fucking wrong. I don't know. Yeah, and he he does not take kindly to this. Sharon no. was a friend of mine. The only thing I want from you is a way off this fracking planet. That's he makes it clear. That's the only reason I have you here. Do you believe him? I I do, but I I do believe that he is still genuine genuinely reluctant to to kill her. And I I think as long as she has the face of Sharon, that's going to be the case. You know, uh, I I don't think he can just blow her away and and feel okay about it. Like I don't think. She's going to get him to a ship and be like, all right, here's your ship. You can turn it on and fly it. And he's like, all right, cool. And it turns out and blows her away. Like, he's still going to find a way to bring her with him. He's going to bring her back as a prisoner. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Like, he's not just going to off her. Right. For sure. It because, raises- and I, I think we cannot throw out the relationship that this particular Sharon had with him. Like, this is the Sharon he fucking fell in love with and had sex with in the rain, in the apocalyptic fantasy. Uh, you know, <laughs> That's he got to live that out with the- not gonna lie, definitely a nice apocalyptic fantasy. Oh, yeah, oh my god, <laughs> have sex stuff. with a hot fucking Cylon woman in the rain. This is better than a boy, your boy, and a dog. Yeah. So, oh, a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. cool. 
All right. I was curious about where you were, what, where you're at with, where you were at with that. There we are. Uh, we we shoot over to Lee visiting Starbuck in the hangar. Is of course working on the Raider, and boy, this is brutal behavior out of Lee. Brutal. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I, I get the sense that you are more bothered by it than me. I'm a little less. Like I understand a little bit where Lee's coming from. Like these two have a very long history and a close relationship, and even if it. it there is no jealousy involved, which I do think there is. Even if that weren't the case, I still get the idea of him, you know, squinting at her, being like, "You're just suddenly fucking that guy now, this kooky weirdo scientist who's now the vice president, and just getting into all this thick mess of things." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" Like, I understand him being annoyed by it, and even wanting to get an individual conversation with her of like, "What are you doing? Like, that's who you're fucking. You can't just fuck another pilot. Like, really, you got to go. You get this. You could be, you know, possibly entangled in a very complicated disaster just because you want to bang a guy." Um, and I, I sort of get that sentiment from him, but yeah, I do also see <laughs> where your disgust comes from. Of like, what do you fucking care? You're not her boyfriend. Like, what? Do you, why? The fact that he comes down here and is so voraciously indignant and it's just like oh, I can't believe it like yeah it is annoying yeah it's funny because I don't want to be I, I want to sort of add nuance here um, I understand the feeling if you you care about this woman you you are not being honest with yourself about what you really feel about this woman let's be real here there's For no sure. way yeah. this guy doesn't have some sort of feelings towards her that go beyond, oh, just a cool friend I know. I mean, this is really scorned f- behavior here. Yeah. And I mean, and same for her, that she, this is something that both of them are kind of just denying. Uh, interesting. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, obviously she has feelings for oh, him. Oh, because she's of, fun. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, she shouted his name while she's getting boned by another guy. I think that's a decent indication. Yeah, people say some weird shit during sex. I once called a girl mom. <laughs> oh, clerks. Aunt Maurice. Clerks. No, that was Clerks, remember? Oh, fuck. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's the line from Clerks. People say some crazy shit during sets. I once called a girl mom. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I um, he comes down. He's like, you ever, I mean, the, what he says here is just, he's just so punch worthy. Oh, yeah. When yeah, he says, no, he's like, now you're tough. calling it a boy. Ever wonder why you call it a boy and everyone else calls it a girl? And she's like, that's fascinatingly, you should write a paper, which is exactly what she should say because he's being a fucking chucklehead. <laughs> he's being a dick. There's no getting around it. I'm not as smart as Dr. Baltar. Now, <laughs> when he says, I'm not as smart as Dr. Baltar, I feel like he tips his hand pretty obviously. <laughs> I totally agree. It's not that, like he's yeah. saying it's not like he's saying, well, those people, those other people aren't as smart as Baltar. He's really taking it personally by saying, I'm not as smart as him. And you know what? You're not. That's fine. <laughs> You're not. Yeah. It's okay. Sorry. But what the fuck, man? And that's when she turns towards him and uh just keeps doing what she's doing. She's down there working on the shit. Um, she's like, don't know, haven't seen him. And um that's when he's like, Yeah, listen. You show so he's a love him and leave him kind. I guess. I mean, this is. <laughs> I love. I love that she doesn't deny it, and she is honestly trying to throw him a bone this whole time. Of just like, 
I'm not going to get all mad and get in a fight with you. I'm going to let you even be right that, yeah, he's a love him and leave him type. You're right. Like, okay. Just like she like, is, she's, though. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Uh, but I, I love that she is trying, genuinely trying to, like, not let this become a fight. That she's trying to be the one that's like, yeah, sure. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You just want to be mad. You want to be so madly. It, it's funny. It, yeah. And I, and I like how she doesn't engage or indulge him. Because no. that must bother him more. Oh, oh totally. Because <laughs> it, it's showing that I don't have whatever feeling you think you have right now. I don't. That's not me. So stop. And it's crazy where, uh, you know, you, you make a good point by saying, you know, maybe he's concerned about her as a friend, but it never comes up, does it? No. The only th- the only outside of their relationship thing he he says, which is still very closely tied to them, is that, you know, how, how does it look on me to have a, a pilot who doesn't keep her pants on? And yeah. it's, that's still like, oh, God, I hated the way he said that. He but said that, on. and I'm yeah. just going to be honest with you, we can't keep our pants on. He said that in a way that just says, like, he fucking loves dicks. He fucking <laughs> thinks they're delicious. He takes them in the face at every opportunity. Just can't keep our pants on. It hits me with her belt buckle and chokes me a little bit. Can't, can't keep our pants on. Yeah, that was like repressed. I think dicks are delicious. Like Just behavior, a meat mustache bouncing his head. Yeah, back. absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, but it's funny. I think if one of his other pilots was fucking around, I don't think it would be the same. Exactly. Exactly. That's the key of it right there. He's like, oh, pilot who can't keep her pants on. It's like, you wouldn't give a shit if Crash Down's banging this other hot dog or whatever the hell they can call each other. I can't remember their other pilot names. Yeah. But uh, I know. It's like you, if, you wouldn't be banging on his door being like, you can't be banging each other. If Hot Dog was fucking Toad, he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, and then he brings up some major she boned, which is a good move by Kara. Um, and then they, they exchange hits to the face. Dude, I, I love that they, they <laughs> yeah, I love that she punches him first and he punches her right back. Yeah. I was like, I like that. That's actually really nice. Yep. She says, I'm screw up. Try to keep that in mind. Um, what do you think's going on in Kara's head right here? Oh, man. See, again, this is, I am having a hard time. For one, I don't count six because she is fucking inscrutable. Uh, right, But totally. the two other characters that I have the hardest time just piecing together where exactly they stand and how they're feeling are Kara and Gaius. Like, I am still, like... I don't know where she is. Like she has been through a lot of tragedy. Um, and she is also, I remember, I think we talked about this of how surprised I was that she was one of the most religious people on board. Like she's one of the most devout believers. Um, and that was really interesting to me because it was so unexpected. Sure. Um, and in this scene between her and, and Lee, I, I don't know, man, I, 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 you could, I feel like the easy route is to go, okay, well they're each denying each other's feelings for each other. And if they could just both admit it, they would just be, on board and, and, and in love, and that would be that. And they just have so much rep- repressed sexual fr- frustration between each other. And that's just, you know, oh, they just got it all bottled up. They just got to bang each other and fall in love. And it'll be fine. I'm like, no, I don't think that's it, though. Like, I don't think they would just walk into the sunset together. I think there's still a lot more issues here. Um, and I think it's more, actually, I think it's more clean cut for Lee. I think Lee, if he could get past himself, would just be ready to fucking drop to a knee and propose to her. Whereas she'd be like, I don't know about that. I agree. Um, and and I, with her, I just, 
I can't I can't decipher her super easily, man. She's tough. Yeah, I like I like and that's why I like her so much. I think that I think that we know based off of her interactions with Leoben that she had a pretty abusive childhood. Um I think yeah. that we know that she has tendencies towards self-destruction. Uh, I think that she somehow believes that she doesn't deserve certain things and uh, as a result of that that she's just going to do what she wants despite what could be bad choices. And not just because of Lee's feelings, but because of getting entangled with somebody like Baltar, who you don't know much about, and blah, blah, blah. And um, and, and then from there, now having to deal with Lee on top of it all. And her connection yeah. to that whole family and what that means and blah, 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 blah. But, and you know, um, her her final line to Lee in this scene is, is pretty telling as well, because he's like, you know, you know, they punch each other in the face, which I like, which is a very brother sister move of like, fuck you now. Fuck you. Like they each just kind of fuck you to each other. Uh, but I like where he just goes, just why, why did you do it? Can you just tell me why? And she goes, I'm a screw up Lee. Just try to keep that in mind. And that is, I think that's what is the best key to deciphering her that she believes that about herself so that she thinks she may be, uh, you know, meddling with Lee and this, you know, this young dude who she knows very well and is on the, you know, on basically on path to becoming a commander like his father and, you know, on this prestigious thing, like not really ready or wanting to meddle with that. And where she sees guys like, ah, this is just, he's just another dude. He's a dude like me who just fucks him and leaves him. And I'm down to just fuck him and leave him. And that's it. And that's a nice screw up easy way to go. And I think she's just adopting that path for herself. A lot of times too, I think about somebody like Starbuck, who we know is uh, quoted as being the best shot in and out of the cockpit. Forget about out of the cockpit. Let's talk about her chops as a Viper pilot. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know that she's probably one of the best in the fleet. She's revered as very good, almost legendary in status as to how good she is. The best on the Galactic ever shore. The Galactic is one of the better ships out there. And yeah. it's funny when I think about this, it's, it's almost like when I think of these athletes with these crazy talents who suddenly everyone has expectations for. And sometimes you bucket that expectation because you're like, I'm just good at this thing. I'm lucky. It's fine. I don't want to be a fucking yes. hero. Right? That That is one of the most amazing, like eccentricities of of human behavior that because one person is good at this one thing you think they should be an exemplar in all things sure and it's like well they just they just play basketball really well man doesn't mean they're good with their finances or a good role model like that doesn't doesn't mean that they're just really good at playing basketball or really good at flying a a viper it's like when people email the show and they're like you guys are the best podcasters ever can you tell me how to fuck my wife the right way it's crazy (laughs) Like all the time, these Which emails. Do all the time. All the time. All the time. What <laughs> stock should I buy? You know? It's crazy. Because <laughs> we have so much advice to give there. How do I raise my kids, even though you don't have any? You know? They always ask. So, no. With a belt and invest in Enron. There, that's my question to fucking, that's my answer to all of it, baby. That's right. Put them to work on an oil rig. Make that money, son. <laughs> But no, I um I think that has something to do with it too. Is Kara is this person who we know is Buck's authority, and we know that she doesn't want to be that person all the time. She barely wanted to train the Nuggets. She sort of got manhandled into it by Adama. She just has all the skill, and maybe she just doesn't want to be this thing everyone expects her to be, which is always her battle with Ty, right? 
when Ty would say shit like, well, never mind. The more you stay in that bed, the more I have my suspicions of you confirmed, right? The yeah. fucking mind games he plays with her. Like, yeah. Oh, he knows how to fuck with her. For so sure. Yeah. For sure. Anyway. <clears throat> Rosalind, Billy, and Elosha look at some surveillance from the Raptor that the boomerang crashdown took. Um, Rosalind sees an inhabited city and not ruins. Uh, nobody else sees what she's talking about. When she looks again, she sees ruins. Elosha oh, says, yeah. well, what did you see? And she says, well, I saw a dome-like structure with six roads leading out of it like spokes. Something around it like columns, like the form on Caprica, she decides. The form of the oh. opera house in the city of gods on Colbo. Boosh. Love and I love yeah that that you know she's saying oh it's an occupied city this is, you know and we they, see you know, it. they Billy, show us yeah exactly they show us what what she sees um, but they're like no these are two thousand year old ruins like this I, is, I love this yeah and this again to me I, I go it's not like I'm like ooh wow the prophecy is real and it's actually you know being mystically guided I'm going. Did fucking Leoben infect her with something to so that they can you know affect her in the same way that six affects uh, Gaius and make her see things or like what are they doing? What is the guiding hand here that is making her see this shit? This is the second you know very profound uh, hallucination, very vivid hallucination we've seen her have. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So you're looking at her more like Billy. You're not looking at her like Elosha is, and it's funny to watch both of their expressions here. Elosha oh, yeah. looks at her like, holy shit. And Billy's like, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, God, you're losing your mind. You've gone The cuckoo. cancer's gone to your brain. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. But, um, yeah, I, I, I like this a lot. Uh, the planet's cobalt, says Elosha, the birthplace of mankind, paradise, before the exodus of the 13 tribes. So, as we recall, the 13 tribes were all in one spot, and then they all bounced. Um, and that's when Billy says, what's going on here? And we just hear it's real. The prophecies, it's all real. And this is Rosalind. Uh, and, uh, and I love her here. This is great. And um, Elosha's just like, so say we all. And Billy's like, uh, the fuck? <laughs> what a the fuck? But yeah, great stuff here. So we've, we've talked about this before. Your position on this prophecy stuff is all, this is ancient manipulation by Cylons? or we. So here's what we do know. We know that when we watch the beginning of the show, it tells us that these newer models of Cylons have only been around for so long, correct? Yes. According to the beginning of this show. But you kind of have this... It's funny. You're, you're Actually, you would have your own, <laughs> your own expression if you were to look at her. Billy's like, oh no, her medical condition is worsening. Although she's like, wow, the prophecies are real. You would be like, you're being manipulated by the Cylons. Right. Is that yeah. is that sort of where you stand now? Essentially, I think. And the reason, you know, and we've talked a lot about it, but I, I, basically the, the short answer to to why I think that um, is, for one, I think the, the best example is watching the whole drama between Six and Gaius unfold. The fact that she can be uh, uh, manifest and we have no idea how it's not like, wow, did she get a trip in his, his brain? Like, how is she doing this? Are they just remotely projecting her to him? Who knows? For one, that just indicates they have vastly superior, unfathomable technology, um, and they can be be possessing and haunting you like this. Um, but the biggest reason, the really true single reason I, that I still think that this is maybe Cylon manipulation, 
maybe it's not entirely fabricated by them. Maybe they're just kind of nudging certain aspects. But why I think that it is part of the Cylon plan to nudge them down this path to make them think the prophecy is true is because, again, the obvious point of they could have killed them all. They could have killed them all at any like there's they could kill them all right now. They, they have the means. They have the technology, they have the numbers. There's no reason why if their goal was to I want to just eradicate the remaining humans that they wouldn't just eradicate all of them. That's that. So do you uh, think is, that they're 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 laying off the humans? Do you I think, think that they, they let them escape? Do you think they let them win engagements? Do you think it's Yeah. I oh mean, yeah. That, okay, so you think yeah, it's some sort of mass conspiracy. Even in that episode before Colonial Day, I think that that victory might have been an engineered victory. That that might have been something the the uh, Cylons allowed to happen because they, they needed to prod the humans along further in this direction. Interesting. Um, and I think it may have something to do with it. They, they, the Cylons need something from Earth and they need the humans to find it for them or something like that. Like, cool. they are, they are letting the humans survive and take them down a path. Like, otherwise, it makes no sense. If they, if they just want to kill all of the humans that they can, uh, all, they just have a hatred for humans and want to kill them all, they could have done it. There's no reason for them to allow them to live. Interesting. So there must be some weird plan like that. I like it. Let's go over to Boomer and Gaius. Hell yeah. Great scene. This scene always stood out to me. And um, I love how she's looking at the barrel. She literally puts the barrel in her mouth. And then, holy shit, Gaius walks in. He's like, what are you doing? You pull up the bed. She, oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing to see him. Other. Nothing. Reading, Not a bunch of hustlers under here. Nothing. Just no. reading some articles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, close your door if you're gonna blow your brains out. But I do how how like he says, is this a bad time? And she's like, no, I'm just cleaning my gun with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> just um, polishing the muzzle of my pistol. Yeah. So uh, what a um, what an incredible scene this is. I really Again. have been looking forward to your take on this scene, dude totally unexpected for me. I mean, this, this was one of the, again, one of the biggest shocks of the episode were the re- revelation of how Gaius feels. Um, I think that's what we really learned from this scene. Like we know that Galactica Boomer is in pain and is in turmoil over trying to figure out who she is. How, you know, she's already lost her relationship to the chief over all of this. She can't, feels like she can't even trust herself, but what this scene really reveals is how Gaius feels about himself and his own position. Mm, interesting. And, that, and I mean, the way, the way he says to her, there are some things so much worse than death. Like <sighs> with such Man. pain, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like this really is torture for him. Like it's, it's no joke. Like we, we laugh about so many of the, the setups with him and six and how crazy and awkward it can be and funny, but that shit is torture. Like this is a psychological anguish that he is dealing with and that's why like him sitting next to this boomer who is also dealing with such anguish and is not human <laughs> and is a cylon for one is adds a whole other dynamic but it's it's potent it, it it's sad it's they're both feeling this this deep pain and it's almost like he knows six wouldn't let him kill himself or or, or end it um and it's it's like he's like nudging her along like fucking do what i can't uh, wow. Which is some dark shit. That's man. a wild take on this, brother. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Well, I, I took I mean, it a little bit differently, but I oh, really appreciate your perspective because it never occurred to me. I mean, it did a little bit, 
It did the, a little. The bit. shock for me was just the pain that I never really thought about. Uh, that Gaius must really be enduring, and just the difficulty of this. I agree. I think there's some definite pain with Gaius. Um, I think. I think that he has a lot of. I think we. We know that he has a lot of guilt about what's what's happened. We know he didn't want to engineer the destruction of the human race. He wouldn't want to do that. But he would for no. sure lie to not get implicated in it, right? Oh, hell yeah. Because his goal wasn't to destroy all humans. <laughs> we know that he's been flippant, that he's been funny, that he's been quirky, that he's been saddled with a lot of responsibility that he doesn't want, that he's subject to some chain of command that he is not interested in. And that now he finds himself in a very high position of power. Uh, within a fleet, and consequently, the human race. You could argue he's the second most powerful political person now with the human race, which exactly. 50 some odd days ago wasn't the case, right? So he definitely finds himself in a very weird position with a lot of things going on right now in his life. Uh, this stuff with Starbuck, of course, is annoying. He'll get over that. He's not going to be, that's not going to ruin his life or anything. Or maybe, well, I don't know. But when he walks in, he sits down and he says, it's good to talk. First of all, we don't know why he was going to Boomer's room. No. Yeah, that's another just out of the blue kind of mystery. Now, I personally believe he was going to his room because he was trying to fuck her. Really? You I think do. so? I really do. Unless he was just going to the pilot's thing to look for Kara. Mm, interesting. I don't think she has her own bunk, right? Well, I think there is a lot of guilt he has around Boomer in particular because he knows she's a Cylon. He's the only person outside of six who knows that, yeah, that's a Cylon. <laughs> My detector worked, and that's her. Right. Um, and I think he feels bad, for one, about not revealing her. But I think him having this intimate relationship with a Cylon makes him also feel a little more for them. Like, knows that it's that they're, they're not just a robot. Like, it's complicated. It, um, it's that, definitely complicated. I think there is a lot going on in the scene, which is why it's such a standout scene for me. But oh yeah, when when he walks in, so yeah, I just I just put the scene on. I backed it up a little bit. When he walks in, this is a this is a, a, a pilot's bunk, and you, there's a lot of different sleeping quarters. So part of me feels I wonder if he was looking for Carrie here, and just happened upon Boomer. Maybe he was thinking I want to bang Boomer because it's explicitly stated. Although maybe Six is just prodding him. Maybe he was trying to fucking forget about Gareth for a minute. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I'm, I'm sort of retracting that original idea. My original idea is maybe he was just in here happen, by happenstance, and he's like, I'm going to go fucking talk to Kara. And, oh, look at this girl with a gun in her mouth by herself. I don't know. Yeah, who I'm, I know is a silent. I'm totally speculating <laughs> here. But he has, he has a furrowed brow when he walks in. He steps slowly in, and he's sort of sideways looking at her, uh, and it's interesting to see that he's got this caution, like, whoa, I know she's a Cylon. She's holding a pistol. She just had it in her mouth. Am I totally safe in this moment? And then he says, it's a bad time, right? No, no, just cleaning my gun, right? And that's when he sits down and he says, you know, sometimes it's good to talk about these things. He sits on the bunk right next to her and he starts talking. Oh, no, he, he explicitly states, I was looking for Thrace. Oh, shit. Yeah, explicitly right. states it when he sits down with her. So now that that mystery is solved. And he just, <laughs> so he just sort of happens on, on Boomer. Yeah. And now he's like, well, I'm here. She had a gun in her mouth. I'm not going to just walk away. And then Six chimes in and she says, deep down, she knows she's a Cylon. 
but her conscious mind won't accept it. And that's when she says, she being Boomer says, sometimes I have these dark thoughts. He shakes his head yes, and then he says, what kind of dark thoughts? And, and six chimes in and says, her model is weak with contempt. Oh, yes, and she always has been. Always has been. And we saw that with her, you know, I, I forget the name of the other guy who was the silent pretending to be the reporter, uh, but they had a lot of scorn for her. Like sure. they they beat her up, which they, you know, that Boomer was anticipating, you know, it was all part of their plan for beating her up and sending her back to uh, uh, Hilo. But the way they spoke about her, the, yeah, oh, she's falling in love and she you know, cares That's about the right. human. I'm glad you like, remember they, that. Yeah, they did have a lot of scorn for her in particular. In the end, she'll carry out her mission. Okay, while this is going on, Gaius has a bit of a look of concern on his face. She says, I don't know, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt someone. I feel like I have to be stopped. And Six says, she can't be stopped. She's a Cylon. And you see Gaius grapple with this. Oh, you know what? Ah, you see where I'm going? <laughs> I, I totally see what you, in right. this moment, he's thinking, yes. this is the Cylon agent yes. who needs to go down. Yes. But- the pain that he has yes, in watching I, that's her. That's why I like your take on it. Yeah. Because it isn't a simple decision for him. It's something he's no. grappling with. We see and I think it's a, it's a true revelation for him just how pained a, a Cylon agent can be. Like, I think in his mind, he thought that Six is one in particular who is shepherding me or being my guardian, even though she's a Cylon. But these Cylon agents are just fucking, you know, maybe just ruthless killers. Like, they're just, pro, you know, robots who are turned on to fucking do this stuff. And he's seeing firsthand that she is in this awful state of turmoil. Sure. So, to, to kind of go back to what I'm seeing here is, in, in, in again, I like your take on it because it, it expresses some more, expresses a, a uh, more of a deepness to Guy's Baltar, which I definitely think is there. And I think he does a good job in this scene. Um, of, yeah. of expressing this, but whenever Six says, you can't help her, but you could probably sleep with her, obviously still pissed off. <laughs> so pissed. And then Gaius, oh, man, you can a mad girlfriend see, line. oh, it's so good. Watch the scene again, guys. If you haven't watched this episode in a while, watch Gaius wrestle with what he's about Dude. to say and how he comes to the conclusion to do what he's going to do, which is literally convince Sharon to shoot herself. Ugh. She said, he, he says, sometimes, and you can see it, he has tears in his eyes. We must yeah. embrace that which opens up for us. He knows how vulnerable she is. He, oh, yeah. He's prodding her, and it's at this moment where Six almost smiles because she's like, wow, Gaius must be back. <laughs> right. Life can be a curse, he tells her. Oof, worse than death. And that, and what he said, and he said, what I say is meaningless. Yes, you have to make the choice with your own heart. Yep. And, and it's funny I, to watch thing. six surprised by this reaction. Yeah, I think this yeah. shows six that he is not so common. Once again, definitely. And and I I love the I love the duality of this conversation. It's today, amazing of just his side alone of him being. I need to convince her to kill herself because this is the silent agent who's going to blow up the, you know, the Battlestar Galactica. Or, and she's, or a, she's a threat. Yeah, who knows what she's going to do? Maybe kill you. You don't think or, Gaius yeah. thinks about the fact that he has a Cylon detector and he could be a fucking high-level target? There you go. That too. 
I mean, just he, the fact he, that this this person is a threat. This is a, I know she's a Cylon and she is a threat. And if if I have a moment to to get rid of that threat, then we should do that. But the fact that he would go to to the extent of saying, you know, you need to follow your heart. You need to, you know, it's not. I don't see it as just manipulation. I think he does really feel for her. I think he feels for this. I think I think there's feeling here for sure. But I also feel like this is something that comes back to Gaius Baltar and self-preservation. It doesn't mean he <laughs> yeah, doesn't have a true. conscience. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a conscience. Like, yeah, he doesn't feel good about this. No, <laughs> but all. what does he know? A, she's a Cylon. B, she's got dark thoughts. Three, she's worried she's going to hurt somebody. Four, that she can't be stopped or fixed, according to six. And five, according to six, she's going to carry out her mission. Mm. Fuck. I made a silent detector. I'm on this goddamn ship. I don't know what she's going to do. I don't know what she's capable of. What am I going to do here? He is such an opportunist. He saw an opportunity. He didn't just run to the guards and say, silent, 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 because he doesn't want that heat. Yeah. He doesn't want that heat. So what he does is he convinces her. He, he takes her and waltzes her into her own fucking attempted suicide, which is botched, by the way. But still. Yeah. But still, awesome, right? It's great, man. It's a great scene. Great scene. Standout scene for the episode, no doubt. Definitely, yeah. So we have Adama, uh, and we hear the muffled, and then some people run to the the room. Brutal. (laughs) Excuse me. And you can see his reaction. It it hurts. Oh, yeah. No, he's not happy about it. It's awful. Adama looks over some recon intelligence. Uh, This could be Kobol. He says we should consider permanent settlement here. Um, and that's when Eloshi gets into the scriptures tell us that Kobo points the way to Earth. Uh, Gaius is there and six urges Gaius to volunteer for the survey. You don't want to be here when it happens again. I, I fucking, this is one of those times where he tries to smooth over his crazy guy hallucination talk into, I'm, I'm actually talking to all of you. Yes. I fucking love it. Or he's like, what would happen if I, I, what would happen if I went on the survey team? Actually, I'm talking to all the real people, actually. It's, it's terrific. It's terrific. so good. Uh, it's so so again, but this is one of those times though where you're like, "Ha, ah, that's hilarious!" Like this, the silliness of that. But you're like, "Fuck!" The mental anguish of having to try and smooth that shit over constantly. Fuck, he is <laughs> like tortured man. Yeah, for sure. Ah, uh, so good. So we have um, we have Lee, Ty, who we haven't seen much of, uh, Six, Elosha, Roslyn, right. and uh, this is just a great scene. I think the scene is very well directed. I think all the faces do a good job of telling you what everyone is kind of thinking because we all know they got stuff going on. And that's something that I think Battlestar Galactic is so successful at. Um, yes, we've been tie light uh, since uh, the stuff with uh, his wife. But here we have Adama carrying this great lie. Here we have Lee struggling with he's struggling with. Here we have Alosha having her faith and her opinion confirmed. Rosalind dealing with what she has going on, right? It's cool. You see, oh, and, and of course, yeah. Gaius. How can we forget Gaius? And all these people are in this room, and they're dealing with this other thing, but we all know they all have these other things going on in their own minds. Yeah. You would think it's like they're all sitting there pouring over these results, the, the this you know information, and you think they have this unified mission now, but they all have such completely divergent aims in all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Guy starts on, on the, as your chief science advisor, I have to analyze the samples the team brings, and it would be more efficient if I'd gather the samples myself. And what I love about 
Gaius, what I love about James Callis's portrayal of Gaius is that we see him, he can he he has such a wide shift in his spectrum of different states of mind he finds himself in, which is why I think he's such a standout in this show. And that's you saw him in this really dark and vulnerable moment where he's looking out for himself first and the rest of everyone else second by convincing Boomer to go ahead and pull that trigger. Then we see him standing confidently and with authority selling as to why he should go. It's cool. You know, you see these differences in the man. It's, it's, it's awesome. Definitely. So, of course, he gets the graces of uh, the Pope, i.e. Rosalind, and then she's, <laughs> Rosalind just says, we need to talk to Bill. Yeah. Yeah. How about Tyrrell's visit to Sharon in the infirmary? Dude. She's fucking heartbreaking. Brutal. So sad. Brutal. I haven't had enough Tyrell in my life lately, by the way. I I need more Tyrell. He's so good. Ah, fuck. We get one little glimpse at him here. I find it hard to believe he didn't check the chamber. Right. Uh, I didn't forget. And he, he tries to be informal with her here again of just like, come on, like, what the hell's going on? Let, you know, let me help. Let's talk. And she's the one now keeping it formal. You know, watching, you know, when he broke off their relationship, he was, you know, trying to be all all technical about it uh, and, and pulling this whole thing. Yeah, that was because he had his man got fucking crucified. And exactly. He loves his people, man. He's very. And he wanted to protect them. That's right. And he had to pull, you know, pull regulation, pull by the rules. And, and, and he was behaving in that way. And now she's behaving in that way and stonewalling him. And, yeah. and that is, oof, it's fucking brutal. I wake up in the morning and I don't know who I am. I wonder if I'm going to hurt someone or, 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 or whatever or, or, or hurt someone. And then she says, I'm on my own. And the only thing he can really say here, he says, and that's, you need help. And she said, not from you. You made Ugh. that clear. So she kind of throws it back in his face, which is kind of a dick yeah. move. Um, <laughs> she says she's on her own. He says you're not. And um, thanks for coming out, Chief. Yeah, you're dismissed. Yeah. All right, so we move from uh, the old infirmary to Rosalind and Bill having a little bit of a chat. A little bit of a chitty chat. Boy, what a chat. It, it's, it's sort of uh, right in the middle of things, right? If we had the Arrow of Apollo, we could take it down to Cobol and we could use it to open the tomb of Athena and find our way to Earth. God, this bitch has lost her mind. <laughs> His face is not That's, amused. Oh, dude. That plank of wood is just like, you're crazy, bitch. <laughs> you're crazy. You've really lost it. Your superstitions have taken over. There is no earth. You understand that. Right? Come on, dum-dum. <laughs> it's a book with a lot of crazy shit. We discussed this, Laura. Can't have it on my ship. Uh... To which she says, it appears that we were wrong. <laughs> what a scene. Dude. They're just so stories. Good. They're legends and myths. Don't let it blind you to the reality. <laughs> Don't be a dumb dumb. It's just a wafer and a wine. Fucking <laughs> bullshit. It's not literally the blood of Christ. <laughs> oh, fuck. Then Seriously, she though? says, here's the reality. Silent Raider has been jump tested. Their tech is better than ours. There's a good chance that the Raider can jump back and find the arrow to help us on Earth. And that's when he's like, it's a military asset. 
Yeah. That's what I love how he's kind of, he's not, I wouldn't say humoring her here, but she's Rosalind. No, he's, he's listening because he's, he's listening. He has to. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's like, she's the president. And I think he, he does actually respect her at this point. He's like, okay, like, let me, let me hear her whole spiel before I react. Like, let me hear where she's coming from, even though it already sounds religious and crazy. Um, but by the time she's like, all right, so let's take that one in a million fucking Cylon vehicle that we own and can operate and fly it back because of my fucking religious crusade crazy mission. And he's like, okay, that's where we're drawing the line. Like that's a military (laughs) asset. We're not going to get one of those again. We're not going to send it on your kooky fucking hoo-ha mission. Nah, we're not doing it. Unbelievable. And, uh, he says, well, but. I won't use the go chasing a mythical arrow. And um, he apologizes. And you can see the look of defeat on her face. And then we say, uh, I see we find Cobalt, uh, but the sacred scrolls say this could guide us to Earth, right? Because you get these three rappers going out for the survey. Ground survey, mission, destination, Cobalt. We get the rappers all loaded up. I love the crews we got. A lot of characters I like. Oh, yeah. And uh, off they go. Material orders the raptor to jump back to Galactus. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, and so they jump, and boy, do they run into some shit immediately. Dude. I love this. this. How intense was this? <laughs> this is amazing. They hit, and this immediately one of their front guys gets clipped by a fucking raider. He turns and, and he looks to a starboard, and bang, a collision. Boom. Like, Whoa. And there's a mothership and just a whole fleet of raiders, and they are just getting lit up. Crazy. Uh, Crazy, The the intensity of the pilot getting hits on Raptor 3. Right? Was it Raptor 3 that makes it? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, Geyser ship. Geyser ship. Uh, They get get hit. They they lose propulsion or or half of their propulsion. Their thruster gets hit, and they get a fire. Uh, Then the co-pilot gets it. In the madness and the chaos and the screaming and the insanity, Gaius's face. I love the panic and all of the nuts. In oh, he's insanity. covered in the pilot's blood. I he's mean, freaking damn. out. Uh, it's uh, awesome. What a great scene. Again, I love just the the primacy of this fucking show. It's not all laser beams sure. and just, you know, computer consoles exploding like in Star Trek uh, sure, generation sure, or something. Sure. Like I like that they have those hand-sized plugs that they can put over bullet holes in the hull and clip them off cool. to, you know, just keep from the the air from escaping entirely. Like it still feels very like you're a, a World War II bomber getting hit with, you know, fucking yep. anti-aircraft. Like, it has that very just gritty, raw feeling. Yep. Every combat scene like that, it reminds me. I just absolutely adore it. Uh, they order a raptor to jump back, and immediately we go to Gaeta showing some transponders to tie in the Dama, uh, how they set They're up. starting to figure out how they work. That's right. IFF bursts, programmed to identify themselves to any other silent transponder. Damn nice work, Lieutenant. That's very good. And then um, we get the oh. uh, the Raptors back, and, and Ty's like, hmm, early, and he's like, something's yeah. wrong. Love the difference it's cool. of instinct here. That's cool. Everybody else is like, huh, interesting. And even Ty, I know. even fucking Ty is like, well, it's back early. And fucking Adama, the only one, like, no, that's bad. <laughs> that is not fucking good. We cut and back to the crash oof. going down. We see the spidering of the glass as they hit Atmo. Jesus. Uh, they start to go down. Guys is freaking out. They break atmosphere, going through clouds. It's very intense. I love that we see the just the, the goddamn mountains 
clearing oh. through the clouds. You're like, yeah, oh, the fact shit. the <laughs> fact that the chief has to be like, look out for that one. Like, do you? We we got to be piloting our way in here now. Awesome, I love the chief. Oh. I'm glad he's back in action, dude. Hell uh, yeah! And then of course we go to a diamond company discussing the situation, uh, and it's cool. This is right in the middle of shit. How many people did we lose? Uh, Ten souls aboard Raptor Three. So three is the one we lost. One. Last regional contact was seen in her power flight heading towards the surface. So Gaius is his Raptor 1. I, mean, I confuse that. And, and, and of course, Adama's like, we need to figure out a way to take out the base star because, of course, they have an intelligence report from the, the one that survived. Yeah. And that's when you they know, start I, talking about the Raider. There we go. And, and I, I want to pause. I want to go ahead and get out in front of it. It's one of the very few spoilers I've had happen. <laughs> and it's a small one. Oh, really? But still... Yeah, because I, I don't know if we ever mentioned this, but we were watching this on Hulu. I'm watching this on Hulu. Uh, and you can't, uh, you know, I, I can avoid 99.999% of the spoilers. I'm very, you know, religiously fucking, uh, you know, intensely committed to it. Um, but the fucking thumbnail they have so for the stupid. very next episode of the next one is Gaius laying in the grass alive. So I know Gaius Baltar survives, but that's it. That's as much spoiled as i am on the second part of the yeah film. and that's but not really a spoiler is it they're not gonna fucking i know kill the <laughs> I'm guy like, at he's this point <laughs> live right yeah right. but i just wanted to go ahead and admit it i know that much there you go um yeah well there you go so um we have should we edit that in case somebody doesn't know that's watching this damn good point. Uh, well is it really spoiler on the guy doesn't die in a crash landing. <laughs> Probably I mean, not. come on. But That's fucking stupid. They anyway. don't reveal it in this episode, so fucking, I'm jerking my, my imaginary dick off right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm see. actually jerking my dick off. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm actually thumbing it. It's hard. <laughs> um, so this is when, uh, of course, Lee learns that there's been a, uh, a bit of a plan going on without him. Right, Ooh, involving another, this raider. I'm gonna stomp off to my girlfriend and shout at her about this. Yeah. Starbucks working on a plan. Ty says, "I love how it's Starbucks and Ty with the alternative plan." Right, that's probably that so is part gangster. of what sticks under fucking uh, Lee's skin. He's like, "Really, Ty? Ty, <laughs> the guy that hates your guts, the fucking decorated military commander. Really, him to come up with a plan?" <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I fucking love it. Anyway, um, guys, like I don't give a fuck. I don't care about your feelings, you Nancy. <laughs> fuck you, you fucking um, whiny teenager. Uh, that sounds more like a domo we're doing, but that's okay. It's been a while since we saw Ty. <laughs> we're a little rusty on these. A little rusty. I can do Ty once in a while, but not right this minute. So, um, Lee takes off, and boy, attention! He's really mad, huh? Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> he asks her what the plan is. She tells her that she'll you put the Raider in autopilot on the Raider of the base ship, and then she gets picked up. Might work. Might get you killed. Would you miss me, sir? And oh, then such he's, a good line. I love that. Would you miss me, bitch? And then um, they carry on, and she apologizes. He ignores her, which I like. Dude, oh, that apology from her, it's a kid. It's real. These moments, it's fucking real, man. It's It's heartfelt. She can't, you know, she's not going to make it a prolonged speech, but that moment where she says it, I'm really sorry. She means it, man. And he fucking turns. Ugh. Good stuff. It's tough, man. It's good, good shit, though. So um, we go right back from here. 
uh, over to Rosalind and Billy arguing sort of in the middle of an argument. A lot of, a lot of good job not wasting time this week. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, that, this episode is paced fantastically. Yep. I mean, we, and I really, you know, Billy is a character we see a lot, but we don't hear that much from. Right. And I liked this moment of him. He's awesome. He's, dude, I, I actually really like Billy. Um, the fact that he is basically, when you think about it, he's a very low-ranking person. You know, he hasn't really, he's a practically a secretary for her. Like, he And ironically, having, he fears her the least. But, right? Exactly. He's not afraid exactly to be honest it. with her. Right. He he is of, of formal ranking, very, very low, but he knows her very, very well, and she's willing to listen to him. So I like that she basically gives him this moment to just blow steam and be like, what the fuck? Like, this is crazy. And like, just get really honest with her. And one of my favorite moments is where he's like, you know, this, this, and she's like, go on, fucking yes, fin- tell, yes. tell me I'm crazy. Go ahead, dude. Like, I get it. Yep, it's oh, awesome. It's, it's great, man. He says I it could be this. a drug-induced vision, right? You, yeah. I mean, he's still he's, he's fucking smart. Right. Um, and it go, they go on, and uh, he's not happy about the whole thing. She's like, get Kara. And um, he's like, okay, yeah. fucking I'll do what you say, even though I think Dude. I, I'm going to voice my opinion to you because I care about you. I care about yeah. this fleet. And, uh, yeah. and and she's insistent about, no, the gods have other plans. Go get me Lieutenant Thrace. And, of course, and she what, does. Eat one it. of my favorite, it's such a small thing, but it's one of my favorite moments of this whole episode is where, you know, they, they've just been kind of having this back and forth and she's already kind of like holding her head and she's like, I know, you know, but it's what it is. And he's like, you know, she finally tells him, like you said, go, just go get Lieutenant Thrace. That's what I need right now. And he's like, okay, do you want some more water? Let me grab some. And she's yeah. like, yeah, please. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's still like they've been arguing and he totally disagrees with her and they're very upset with her and they're having this harsh back and forth, but he's still like, you look like you're hurting. You want some water? Like he still totally cares. It's such a small, real human thing. Like, it's I a very it. good catch by you. Not only is it very realistic, but it also shows that there is no pettiness here, and that there is only respect for one another. Exactly. That and I they can don't disagree take with you. Personal. Totally. Even think your ideas are idiotic in this moment right. and wrong, but I respect you, and I'll take care. And of they you. don't take you personally. Nope. It's awesome. Yeah, I it's love awesome. it. I it's, love it. Man. It's not many people have that kind of relationship. To be honest with you, um, yeah. in real life. Uh, and a great hard cut, you can't be serious, as Kara stands tall before her. It's <laughs> good shit. And Rosalind's smart. She's going to use the, her experience with Leoben to sort of get her to buy in. Well, this has happened before. All of it will happen again. He said we would find Kobol, and that's going to show us the way. Uh, she asks Kara about her faith. Kara says, well, not that it's not any of your business, which I appreciate. She says, but I do believe. Well, we're all playing our part in the cycle. A story told, told again. And that's when that's she says- That's how I was raised. Right? And that's when she says, listen- uh, this doesn't mean I need to go on this crazy mission. And Rosalind says, the lo- one of the lines of the episode, may I tell you the part of the story that I am playing? Oh, I love that. Boy, I that is that, dreadful. Dude. Man, what a wide view of things to be able to say that. To be able to, like, I understand at this point that I am not, I'm not so much an individual as I am playing a part of the story. Right, I am a part of it, and it's funny. And it's funny because while you watch Kara, who we know has some sort of faith, that she says, you know, I am not a zealot like you are, and she's very flippant about this whole faith angle that she's playing. Right up until she says, "May I tell you the part of the story that I'm playing? I am dying." Ooh. Yeah. And Kara says, "This is crazy." 
doesn't mean it isn't true. And that's when Kara brings up the secret location of Earth. Rosalind levels with Starbuck and says he lied about Adama. He does not know where. He made it up to give people hope, sends him down the river. This is how much she believes to betray that trust of Adama, that relationship that she's built for all this time. They have such a good relationship. And she just threw it into the fucking meat grinder because of her higher idea right now, because of this prophecy that she believes is more important than anything. Damn the trust I built with Adama. And she just sells him down the fucking river. And she know, and it's not just that she would, you know, maybe betray something that's only between her and Adama. It's that she would betray something that's between her and Adama to Kara, who is maybe the next, well, probably even closer, really, to her, uh, closer to Adama than her. I mean, like that, those two people yeah, know each other the best of anybody on this fucking ship of any of anybody left in the human race. To to throw that wedge between them is is major. Yep, I concur. Wow. Oh, it's good shit. It's good shit. And I love, I do love the way Rosalind says it, where uh, Kara's still like, no, like, no, he, he's not going to lie about that. And she's like, go ask him. <laughs> like, yep. she's not like, well, I'm going to, here, I'm going to let me explain in detail, like, why, you know, I understand this. She's just like, no, you go do it. <laughs> go ask him. I know you, you can get an audience of him. One of the things I love about this is that I love how Adama made that decision all that time ago to lie and how they've kept it buried, and now it's surfacing. Mm-hmm. And it's going to matter because it does send Starbuck off. And what's cool about this is Starbuck is so unwilling to believe that he would lie about something like that, whereas I am so unwilling, based off what we've seen of him, to believe he would lie, period, because he's so direct, he's so yeah. straightforward, he has no reason to lie, he tells you what's what, and that is it. But when Dude, faced you know? with a terrible situation, yeah, with with crashing morale, he made a decision to lie to the entire fleet. Yeah, and you see, and you know, it's funny. I actually I see it a little bit differently. I I do, I see Adama as a guy who is very upfront, forward, has a lot of character, a lot of fucking backbone, and wouldn't normally lie. Like, would be the guy who has the guts to be honest. But in a situation where he thinks that the lie would protect more lives than the truth, I don't think he would hesitate to lie. That he would just be like, fuck it then. That's the, then that's the better. I think he is a strong utilitarian in that way of like, well, if, that, if the lie is going to protect more lives than the truth, so fucking be it. And I will fucking stick to it. And you know what? You I believe you know judging what? me for lying. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, like I think he's that kind of, and he says as much to her. He says as much to to Kara when when she leaves. I'm 100% with you on that because I just thought back to the Tom Zarek episode and how Adama was so willing to compromise whatever rights that man had to accomplish <laughs> his mission, right? He doesn't care. Yeah. He's 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 about getting the thing done that he needs that to get to get done in that moment no matter what the cost. And I think you're right yeah. about that. Um, that's I think r- he's a person who will swallow the consequences regardless of what they, he's like. This is what I saw was the best thing, the best choice I could have made in that moment. And if that moment, you know, fucking condemns me to my death later, so fucking be it. I'm not taking it back. I'm not going to apologize for it. It's what I meant, and it was what I is the best I could right. judge. Then fuck you. That's one thing he doesn't do later. Um, we know that yeah. when he does to make a decision to lie, that he he's calculated it. He's ready to accept the responsibilities. 
um, because he mm-hmm. believes that he had the higher authority in that sense, be it moral or otherwise, to make that call. Love Good it. stuff. That's why I love him, man. Great, Yeah, he's awesome. Great discussion between Starbuck and Bill. Uh, how much longer till we reach Earth? It's hard to say. Have a guess. I don't like to guess. We're getting closer. I'm not really sure. I <laughs> love the this dance. We've ever seen him be. Yeah, he's like, couldn't say. And you know Duh, what? No. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude. Oh, you're not a good liar because you're such a good guy. Right. And I love how Starbucks is sees right through it. <laughs> right? Sees right through it. And we oh, have yeah. Starbuck and a Raider getting ready to go on the mission. She calms Galactica actual and she goes on a on scrambled a, a, channel. Which on a scrambled channel. D is like, oh, that's weird. I believed you. I believed in Earth. What are you doing? Bringing home the cat, sir. Oh. I don't regret anything I did. Make sure you don't. Powerful, Adama. Powerful. So And then good. Gata says, uh, she jumped. And My favorite line from Adama in this episode, I want you to remember one thing. And I love in this moment, there's a million things he could have said. He could have said, you know, it's not worth it, Kara. He could have tried all this pleading or this uh, this maybe high preaching of no why he did it. He just goes, I want you to remember one thing. I don't regret anything I said or did. That's period. right. Like, you leaving is not going to make me regret it. But he feels it, doesn't he? He feels it. He hates it. But he's yep. like, I'm not going to fucking take it back. Yep. It's what I did. She it's the was, best call. Ugh. She was wow. scheduled for a jump test. Where the hell did she go? Ty asks. I love it. Home. Oh. Yep. Yep. And you can see it on his face. You can. You know there's some regret on his face. But oh, totally. you know that he would never admit it. And it would, for damn sure, said what he had to say. And uh, we just see his craggy face and boom we go right to black and it's done oh fuck <laughs> great show so good 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 episode so very good. good episode yep love it yeah uh, so many great characters so many great relationships uh, so much going on uh, just a lot to get into it's just just such a joy to watch it's so it fresh is, man i've been so thirsty for it ah mm. mm. so good well that ends uh Cobol's last gleaming part yes, one uh, uh, do you have any final thoughts or observations, Matt? You know, I don't have a lot, man. Um, I I am surprised at how, and we've kind of mentioned this, you know, how little Ty and Adama we got this episode. Um, for one, I think that's because we kind of saw our characters who were in turmoil this episode. You know, our our Lees, our Starbucks, our Boomers, our Gaiuses, these characters who are really just up in turmoil personally on a, you know, an emotional individual level. Whereas I think guys like uh, Ty and Adama are more like, I'm shouldering a burden. My own shit, I got that on lock. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not over here adrift and wondering who's my girlfriend or not. Uh, I've got, I understand myself a little better. But that all being said, I really do hope to see more of them in the season fucking finale part two next time. I, I want a right? lot more Adama, Roslyn, and Ty. Really need a dose of them. Uh, but other than that, man, I think I think we've said what needs to be said. I'm just really looking forward to the next episode, and it is not going to be four months <laughs> until we watch it. Now we're back in the saddle again, which is very exciting. I'm, I'm happy to be back at it. Um, and yeah. if if you follow LSG Media, you know that we got a lot going on here. I guess it depends on when you're actually hearing this. We have a uh, membership, uh, uh, an Illuminati membership that we do, and we're actually rolling these out one a month to them as bonus stuff. So they're going to have heard this stuff way before the way public hear it, which is awesome. One of the benefits of membership, which doesn't help you now because they're already out. But if you're listening <laughs> to this and you're in the public, but 
Um, if you do follow LSG Media, we always have a lot going on. You know, we have an X-Files show. We cover Stranger Things and Westworld and Game of Thrones and films and all kinds of shit. We're always working. We're always trying to get stuff done. And oh, yeah. uh, this BSG project is something Matthew and I talked a lot about. We wanted to do it. We wanted to do something that had already come and gone as a retrospective. We wanted to do something with a finite amount of episodes. Uh, as much as I love Star Trek, I would have to definitely be a, a full-time podcaster oh, <laughs> to, to cover a Star <laughs> yeah. Trek uh, a Star Trek show. Um, 700 I, episodes. I have a, a real a real hard spot in my heart to do something like that someday. Just be like, let's do DS9, episode one, season one, go. Fuck yeah. Um, Hell yeah. That, the idea of that is so enticing, but that's such a huge commitment. So we did that. We've talked about maybe something with Firefly, which is a very small commitment, only 12 episodes. Um, but we're always, we're always trying to cook something up, and uh, we appreciate your patience with this. And uh, I know we've talked about Battlestar Galactic for a long time. We're slowly rolling it out. It's a big project. We want to have most of this series done before we start dumping these off. So uh, if you're an Illuminati and you're listening to this, stay patient. We're gonna. Our plan is to give you guys one every month, um, and uh, hopefully we can maintain that pace as long as we keep our heads out of our ass and stay on the ball with this <laughs> because um, you guys pay us and we want to give you a little something extra now and again. And uh, we think BSG is uh, is pretty valuable and, and good stuff. And it, it's great conversation, man. I love talking to you about this, man. It's been, been a blast. Oh, love it. It's one of my favorites. One more episode, baby. And season one is in the fucking books. Can you believe it? Woo! Hell yes. I'm so looking forward to it. Next episode is uh, you're going to have some jaw-dropping moments. And I can't wait to talk to you uh, next Woo! week. So until then, Matthew, I'm going to say goodbye. And you can say goodbye to all of the wonderful people out there in the fleet. Good night, you fracks. So say we all.